Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to their communities. Eavesdrop into their conversations and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and their hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace. Salam, dear friends from around the world. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, welcoming you to She Talks Peace and Ramadan Karim for everyone who is fasting. Hi, Dina. Hi, Amina. To our listeners, Ramadan Karim, or as we say in Malaysia, Selamat Berpuasa. So, Amina, how is fasting month? How is it for you? It's only been two, three days. <laughs> yeah. The first two days always the most difficult, yeah? Yeah. It takes a lot of getting used to, especially when it's hot and humid. So, but right. when your when your body starts adjusting, then uh, then it's uh, I guess it's uh, it's okay. How about you? How has it been adjusting? It's been good, but the heat. I mean, uh, I visited my parents. Mm. It was forty one degrees, and my no. parents' area is supposed to be so called suburban countryside. Yeah, Whew, it's been bad, and yesterday was worse. Everyone worked from home. Uh yeah, so I think today's slightly better. Yeah, how's the weather though? We were, you know, in the, in Manila. I don't know if you can hear the rain. Uh, no? So that's that's good. I mean, uh-huh. it's been raining a little bit since uh, early this morning. So so we're good. It helps with um with the weather. But mm-hmm. I was really thinking about um what's going on in Ramadan uh, not just not just in our area in Southeast Asia yeah. but uh in the Middle East and other places because you know yeah. Dina yeah. at least us in Malaysia uh-huh. in the in the Muslim parts of the Philippines right. you know we we are rice eaters yeah, yeah. so yeah. and we grow our our own rice uh, the other thing that we love, of course, is noodles, and that relies on wheat. But mm-hmm. Dina, can you just imagine the problems they have in in uh, Egypt and yes. Yemen and all these countries that are importing wheat from the Ukraine? Can you imagine how difficult 
Ramadan must be for them because the prices must be so high, Dina. My God. I mean, uh, you are talking like this. I went to the supermarket over the weekend. Everything's just shot up, you know, because of this war. And, really? Uh, I think that, you know, I, like even this morning, friends were calling up and saying, look, we're Malaysians, we're in Southeast Asia, but what's happening in the Ukraine is actually affecting them. Mm. I don't know whether it's because of the internet that makes things rather too close for comfort. You know, we had that distance before, right? Mm. But now it seems like everything's being played out right in real time. And honestly, I mean, we had this chat. I mean, and I don't know how you feel, but yes, the Ukraine war may just end. But what about Southeast Asia? Yeah, we've got to think about that too. Absolutely. But, you know, in talking about the increased prices, have you filled up the your gas tank and, uh, no. and fainted? <laughs> At the at the cost of oh, but then you have you have uh, oil, Dina. So I suppose that your the prices you pay for gas isn't as bad as we do. But but yeah, but, you know, uh, Sunday um, we went out and we filled up the the tank, and mm-hmm. my youngest son, uh, right. Pepe, he was laughing, and he said he was looking at the. Uh, you know, the monitor, the counter that counts right. how many liters of, of gasoline yeah. you're purchasing. And he thought, hey, it's uh, very efficient. I mean, it's moving so fast. Then he started laughing because he realized uh-huh. it was the price that was that was speeding <laughs> up. <laughs> and the price that we paid for gas for a yeah. full tank almost uh, almost made me faint. Never in my never in my yeah. life have I you know paid so much for gas. But but things are really getting worse and worse in Ukraine. Have you been following I, the latest atrocities in, right? in Buka? I, yeah, I've been uh, following. It's interesting, you know. Um, I mean, the conversations I have with friends here, right? Mm. There are friends who are pro-China and pro-Russia. And they said that, you know, what's happening right now is that um, don't believe everything that you see in Ukraine. It's fascinating to see how the mind works and how our ideologies are. You know, I don't like to judge people because I think, okay, you know, everybody has their own opinion. But it's fantastic to say that, you know, what you see in Ukraine is actually being doctored. It's just the U.S. actually creating all this this, uh, media warfare. I don't know, Amina. This time around, I think, I don't know. I Maybe they're, they're just too much of a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I was I just watching, that. yeah. And I, yeah. I was watching the same news that uh, you were watching and this Russian so-called war reporter was saying that it's all a fake and the bodies on the street were really Ukrainian actors because they were moving. Like a month. Come on, Tina. How how can how can the Russian population believe believe it in spite of all of the, the you know the the news that's coming out? Of course, you know there uh, the Putin has already banned all yeah. all uh, the independent uh, media outlets, so everybody's listening yeah. to state-controlled yeah. news. But Tina. I mean, yeah. with the with with internet and the access yeah. that uh, people have to 
to the outside world, how can you still have so many Russians believing such such garbage? And how can your friends actually, <laughs> who well, are you know, in Malaysia, <laughs> and you don't really have a controlled media there, so how can they believe that, Dina? I think, you know, I mean, if people who want to believe what they want to believe. And what frightens me, I think, I saw this over the last one year, two years. You know how Malaysia is, right? Mm. The anger, you know, and the wanting to believe a narrative that is different from what you see, right? Mm. Because it gives you hope or some form of a cause to fight for. So with this, what you're seeing, you know, this pro a certain country, anti a certain country, this narrative, this ideologies, right? I'm not saying they are, undereducated or uneducated. Obviously, it comes from some intelligence here, but uh, it doesn't bode well when this kind of anger doesn't really help with the discussions yeah. that we're having right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for people to say that, you know, this is still too far away. I mean, I mean, I remember, I think it, one or two podcasts ago, you talked about with your elections that's coming up, if the wrong one becomes the president, these are the things that you may have to face. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the best friend, the BFF of Ukraine is in our neighborhood. I mean, you mentioned really? you mentioned uh, China, yeah. the yeah. best friend forever of, uh, of Putin. Our president, uh, Rodrigo Duterte, actually talked about uh, China and the Ukraine um, right. relationship uh, when he talked about uh, China becoming aggressive in the yeah. region because yeah. they might be looking at the example of Ukraine being able to just, I mean, uh, Russia just being able to enter Ukraine and there's nothing anybody can do about it except, you know, giving the Ukrainians weapons so that they can, they can defend themselves. So imagine Malaysia, let me see, Vietnam, I think, uh, uh, Indonesia, the Philippines were, were claiming uh, some uh, atolls, right? Those small uh -huh. islands that uh, belong to the Spratly. So we have claims and we're uh, relying on the international court to make a decision about who is the rightful claimant. China uh -huh. not only has claimed it, over the uh -huh. past 10 years, they have built on, the, on those little islets. They have, can you imagine, Dina, they have, from little rocky islets, you now have um, runways for big airplanes. You have tall yeah. buildings. Oh my God! So it's now a, a Chinese uh, Chinese province. So you know, if if uh, China sees that they can do a lot more, yeah, yeah, I think we in Southeast Asia better start doing something to either a to protect our sovereignty and our borders, or okay. my dear Dina, you right. and I start learning Chinese and, <laughs> oh, and welcome my. the and welcome the fact that if we become Chinese provinces, we'll have cheap, good Chinese food. <laughs> so what what can you say about know. that? <laughs> I don't know about. Uh, hang on, don't know about that. Okay, we hear all this jingling, jingling thing. It's my cat behind, you know, behind me. <laughs> but you know, I mean, uh, I mean, as we are talking and joking about this, right? 
I still feel that, you know, as I said, I'm a new entry to the WPS agenda. Okay, I'm learning about it. But mm. the fact in Southeast Asia, right, Malaysia especially, perhaps Singapore, right, being a high-income country, they don't see WPS as urgent or important. What do you have to say about that? Oh, yeah, I, I know I know what you mean. I mean, especially since um, today, I mean, it's it's been three months since the end of 2021. In, you know, last uh, the last week of 2021. You know, we thought that we had the same old problems. I mean, yeah, not that it's uh, it, it's uh, easy, but we sort of knew how to deal with it because yeah. when we're talking about the armed conflicts that we see in our areas mm-hmm. over the decades that we've been working on peace buildings, we've we've had some successes in empowering yes. women you know, really? so that they can be active participants in uh, peace and security. But just three months after the end of 2021, it looks like we're on the brink of World War Three, And oh. this Ukrainian development, this Russian aggression is changing the nature oh, yeah. of uh, security and, and conflict. Even here in in Southeast Asia, you know, we, you're mentioning women, peace, and security. Maybe we should um, explain a little bit to our listeners yeah. who keep wondering why every time we mention WPS, what the heck is WPS? <laughs> yes, we should. We should. <laughs> you know, dear listeners, the Women, Peace, and Security Agenda or WPS, was uh, supported by the UN Security Council in the year 2000. So that's 22 years ago. They passed a resolution called the United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325. And according to the UN, this was was unanimously supported, right, By by the members of the Security Council? Mm-hmm. And um, it was backed by a diverse and geographically representative coalition of uh, member states. And it okay. was pushed by a strong global consist- uh, constituency of women civil society organizations. So that's you and right. me, Dina. And mm-hmm. what was incredible, this was the first ever Security Council resolution that linked women to the peace and security agenda. So this uh, Uh resolution 1325 looked at the impact of conflict on women and women's contribution to conflict resolution and sustainable peace. But, you know, Dina, uh, the Uh UN Security Council would never have passed this resolution if women from all over the world working on... (laughs) Small conflicts in uh, uh, in Indonesia at the time, to big ethnic conflicts in Muslim Mindanao, because we were right. uh, you know, talking about uh, the state uh, doing military action against Muslims. It was the women who really lobbied and right. showed the United Nations and governments that women are not victims, that women 
are actually very good at peace building. Oh, yeah. So, yes. so that's why the UN listened and the member states listened and they supported UNSCR 1325. So that's the Women, Peace, and Security Agenda, dear listeners, or WPS. What do you think, Dina? Did I make a good enough explanation? I think you did. Yes, you did, you know. And, but the thing is, see, how do we, okay, you know that you and I are working on a similar project, right? Mm. And, you know, I'm reaching out to a lot of, you know, NGOs, CSOs in Malaysia. Yeah, I've been uh, seeing your men, emails. Yeah, doing <laughs> men, so that, you know, they understand that this is very important. But, you know, Amina, um, I'm thinking this, right? Even when we started with PVE, PCVE, okay? It wasn't easy to get the buy-in from CSOs. They all said, no, no, in Malaysia, we only have economic extremism, racial extremism. We don't have all this stuff. How are we going to persuade them? Look, WPS should not just be, you know, part of your agenda. It should be part of your breakfast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, I know, what, I know exactly what you mean. There are still many who think of women as beneficiaries, as victims. And they don't really see the important role that women at the community level, at the national level, can play in securing sovereignty of a country, securing the nation, and the sustaining peace. In spite of the fact that the UN and other international organizations have done so many studies that show when women are active participants, for instance, in uh, negotiations, in peace negotiations with rebel groups, the agreement, the peace agreement that's signed is more sustainable because the women bring in a different perspective. The perspective that they bring in is how do I secure my family? I can yeah. only secure my family, my children, if my community is secure. How can I secure the community? It has to be sustainable. So we have to make sure that there's going to be development, there's going to be poverty alleviation, you know, yeah. there's going to be participation. So all of this women bring to the negotiating table. And once the UN and, you know, governments realized this, then they yeah. started saying, hey, that makes sense. I mean, women want to be involved, so why not? Let's, uh, yeah. let's bring them in and let's them participate in, in the peace process. But yeah. I don't get it why 
why something that seems so logical uh, still is not uh, completely supported by some of our governments. That's why I'm, I'm really so excited about this uh, initiative that uh, ASEAN, the Association yes. of Southeast uh-huh. Asian Nations, yes. has started, right? So they're uh-huh. now proposing that we should have a regional plan of action to uh-huh. implement the Women, Peace, and Security Agenda. How exciting uh-huh. is that, Dina? Oh, yeah, that's good. But will they push countries like Malaysia? <laughs> In well, my country, all they care about is elections. Well, let's let's hope. I mean, since there are now an exciting young political leaders coming into Malaysian uh, politics, like your friends from Muda, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe there's going to be a growing uh, community of young leaders who will push your government to support women's participation in peace and security. Because come on, Dina, it's not rocket science. What's what yeah. is what's in the women, peace, and security agenda? First, it says women have a role to play in conflict prevention. But, yep. I mean, just think about it. When there's a fight between yeah. children, who settles it? The father or the mother? The mom. Exactly. Yes, the mom knows how to listen and how to reach <laughs> out, so you know, so that they can. Settle their yeah. differences, and but then of course you know if they don't settle their differences, then uh, you know the mom can always say dad. <laughs> 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 but still, you know, women yeah. have this they have this uh, innate ability to listen, and therefore be able to uh, have a a yeah. solution to conflict that's uh, fair to to yeah. those concerned. And then, of course, uh, that women should participate in peace buildings. I mean, come on. What's so problematic about that, Dina? I mean, who among your friends would say, no, let's not have women participate in peace building? Can you think of anybody who's going to say that, Dina? I can think of a few because they're probably... No, really? Yeah. I mean, I have some friends who are not part of the circle that, you know, that we're we are in the sector that we are in, right? And they see this as a purvey of NGOs, government. Hmm. Interesting. Mean- and yeah. So that means uh, women have to be more active in, in civil society. Yeah. But I think also, you know, as I have said before, Malaysia suffers from that middle income syndrome. You know, everything is wonderful. Da-da-da. So there is it is one of the things which I feel, yeah, Amina, the fact mm. that we are actually very communal. Doesn't matter which, you know, which race or religion you are. But yeah. urbanization in Kuala Lumpur especially, or at least the Klang Valley, right? It's yeah, still yeah. the community, you know, feeling, right? Yeah. Uh, because, okay, if you are of a certain income, you live in here. And then you have the private guards to take care of yourself. If you live in a you know B forty B sixty area where you can't afford, you're only thinking about you know uh, your bread and butter issues. You don't really think so much about community building because you've got other things to think about. So we are very fractured in that sense. There are, of course, you know uh, examples of communities helping each other out, but it's far and few lah. You know. Yeah, I guess that's because in Malaysia. 
you don't really see your country as being affected by armed conflict. Yep. Because largely your government has been successful in preventing violent extremism from taking root. But the thing is, your neighbors have yeah. problems. And how soon before the problems at the borders will creep in? Come on. I mean, Malaysia right now is helping uh, settle things in southern Thailand. It's also helping yeah. uh, humanitarian work in Myanmar. And that's also because you don't want that kind of uh, ethnic conflict to come in and spread in in Malaysia. So mm -hmm. we really need to get um, a lot more people um, understand why it is logical, why yeah. it is practical, and why it is valuable to you know, support women's participation in peace and uh, and security yeah but but dina when we talk about uh, islam because mm -hmm. you know you you come from a muslim dominated country i come from muslim mindanao where yeah. we've started seeing a lot of uh, extreme fundamentalist idea you know thinking that women have no role to play in decision making and I keep telling them, well, is when Islam came to be, it liberated women. It yes. may it gave us rights, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, took it upon himself also to get the women around him who were close to him to advise him making decisions and Dina not, don't forget the Queen of Sheba I always love to talk yeah. about the Queen of Sheba because in the Holy Quran there is mention of her although they don't mention her by name but um, the Queen is the first known Muslim woman peace builder most likely yeah because yeah. they talk about how uh, when uh, her country, her kingdom uh, had enemies at the border, uh, right. King Solomon, uh, Sulaiman. And mm -hmm. uh, she asked all her male generals, so what should we do? And the general right. said, oh, we have to prepare our army and attack, defend our, our kingdom. And the queen said, no, send him a gift and let's listen and see what he wants. And isn't that? peace building. So, I mean, if the Holy Quran can talk about how this is a good woman tempered by mercy and by, uh, you know, the an initiative towards peaceful resolution of conflict, how can they now say that women, especially Muslim women, don't have a role to play? I don't, I don't get that. I really don't get I, that. I think there are many, many Muslim groups who do that, women's groups, right? Mm. Do I have to admit they do a lot of community building, a lot of community work, but it is packaged under a very patriarchal Muslim framework, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. so it tends to be like, okay, it's for my NGO, for example. Okay, it doesn't go beyond the neighborhood, doesn't go beyond the constituency, which I think is very sad because things like this should be everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, as I said, you know, as I was listening to you, I did think to myself that. Even when you mentioned ASEAN just now, I think like 
What amazing are in Malaysia right now? How are we going to even push for this when one, they only care about Amno getting back into power? Oh. Two, our Islamists who are now, you know, demanding for mm-hmm. this and that. It's not even about community. It's just mm-hmm. pushing for a certain, you know, agenda that would benefit them. I don't know how we're going to even talk about this when they don't even want to deal with issues, you know, like when you talk about forced conversion and all that. It's all about this is my way, this is my idea, you cannot need. So when you talk about community building, it may serve a purpose for a certain community or cost- constituency in Malaysia, which is a mm-hmm. shame. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also this idea of having women telling them off. However, however, I was talking to one uh, PhD student. There is one NGO in Malaysia. Uh, it's called Ikram. They are Islamists, progressive Islamists. Mm-hmm. I hear that their women are very, very forthright. You know, uh-huh. I'm not too sure who the women are. You know, uh, who are involved in this. I can find out. Maybe we can put them on podcast. Oh, that would be great. I, yeah, I I know that they do a lot of humanitarian work, but you know, again, they tend okay. They tend to be they tend to exist in a bubble like in Bangi or Kajang. You don't see them out of these areas. But you know what? I will talk to one or two and see. Let's have a chat. Maybe we have to educate them what WPS is all about and see how they can come up on a more regional thing, you know? It, in Malaysia, again, it's always too Malaysia-centric, too this-centric, you know? We don't really want to get out from our middle-class bubble. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then, you know, looking looking at it and putting myself in in the shoes of um, yeah. of your government, I can mm. I can actually see why there wouldn't be so much interest in women peace and security agenda largely because you have been so lucky that yeah. you have yeah. not been affected by armed ethnic well, conflict I totally or agree. you know so you may have had some uh, attacks by violent extremists but that has been uh, effectively stopped by yeah. your government, but Dina, we have to, we have to make our sisters and our brothers realize that the ethnic conflicts that are along your borders, right. sooner or later, if you don't do anything at the community level, it's going to enter Malaysian society, and then, and then, where are we? Where are we going to be? I won't be able to go to KL and eat satay. And I won't be able to go with you to that nice little central the central market and buy my chocolate-covered almonds. I really love those. I miss those, Dina. I, I, I have to go to, to KL and visit you really yeah. soon. So we, so can, I hope. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's hope that there'll be some of a budget and they can just fly down for even for a weekend or something. Yeah, I'll take you around makan-makan here. Yeah, makan is absolutely right. Oh, but we shouldn't be talking about that during Ramadan, Dina. No, no. So I, was just, I was just I was just uh, thinking. So, um, at the community level, Dina, how do yeah. Malaysians really uh, celebrate Ramadan, do they like, like after fasting when we have our buka, 
Everybody goes out into the streets and, you know, have fun and visit relatives. Do they do that in Malaysia? Okay. I think it used to be like that. But thanks to COVID, the great thing is what this year, the night markets are open. So everyone's rushing down to get their little cakes, a kwe-kwe, as they say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they have that. Um, But I think it's still muted. Um, I know because this morning a friend called me up and said, look, Shangri-La has this. A little promotion, two, three dishes for 50 ringgit. And you are like, whoa, that's really good. <laughs> so you can, you, can, you can go there for iftar? I know. They basically, they only deliver the foods. So, and pity you're not here right now, you know, Amina, because it's a lovely hotel, right? Mm. Where it's like 200 ringgit for five people, you know? Uh-huh. And it's food after food. I mean, I guess hotels have to adjust thanks to COVID because not many people are going. How much is two hundred ringgit, Dina, in the in US dollars? Let me do, let me go to <laughs> <laughs> to the internet. Two hundred and two my to USD. Okay, that would be about forty seven forty cents US dollars. But for five people, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad in the Philippines. That's like a uh, thousand pesos. No less. Yeah. Yes. No, that's not bad at all. Not bad. So people are having to adjust, but it's still quiet, Amina. Um, they are saying that even this year, there are no SOPs for, you know, Eid, Hari Raya for us. Mm. Right? I don't think, at least for my family, I don't think any one of us are going back to our little village, kampung, you know, it's yeah. Yeah. because there'll be such a massive jam and everyone's scared of COVID. It'll probably be a few weeks later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's 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 really unfortunate. I thought after two years of COVID this year, we mm-hmm. we could have a nicer celebration uh, after mm-hmm. after Ramadan. I don't know if our our listeners are aware of the imp- the um, meaning, uh, the value of Ramadan. Well, Ramadan is a month of fasting where we cleanse our minds and our spirits. Uh, yeah. We think about, you know, the people that we have wronged and make amends. So it's it's purification. But Dina, guess what? what? In terms of uh, biology, there are uh-huh. more and more people who are saying that regular fasting is good for your body. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so they're yeah. beginning to. To see the wisdom in the, in our traditions, and my son, for instance, his friends now have what they call intermittent fasting. Fasting, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they only have one meal a day. Uh, right. Of course, they drink water, so you know that uh, that's not real fasting for for us. But they're recognizing the value of a fast. To cleanse your body physically. So Ramadan, we're cleansing our body physically and we are yeah. cleansing our souls. But but what I really look forward to, uh, mm-hmm. when I used to visit my, my dad when he was ambassador Hi. in Saudi Arabia, and uh-huh. during Ramadan, uh, at the end, you know, when after the after the iftar, and the shops are open. And they give you discounts even on gold. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wonder if they still do that. 
Maybe not, huh? <laughs> I don't know, huh? But yeah, I mean, like, ah, Ramadan, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I always feel that COVID, right? Yeah. Has changed so many things. And it has just like bad negative energy, you know, with Ukraine. God knows what will happen in the next few months. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Yeah, I know what you mean. I keep, uh, I keep worrying about um, our friend Nina. Uh, Potarska, who was our guest, and you was talking about um, about Ukraine, and then this oh, yeah. um, this classmate of mine from uh, the Kennedy School, Sergi. Right. So we've been in touch with him, and he showed pictures of uh, of several bombs. Oh, yeah. That landed like three hundred, uh-huh. four hundred feet away from his house. Right. But didn't explode. They were Ugh. duds. So I guess the ah, Russian too. Russian munitions uh, are also a little bit hit or miss, which is maybe why they're not doing so well with this uh, attempt of theirs to occupy Ukraine. Can you imagine? Oh. Everybody thought that the Russian military was the you know one of the best in the world. And then here you've got the small Ukrainian army able to defeat them and push them out you know, to, to the borders. Yes, amazing, we. amazing, these uh, this Ukrainians, men and women. Well, you know, what I want to know is that what will stop Putin, Russia, from all this? That, uh, that's a good question. I mean, apart from poison. Oops. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I, I, I have to, I guess, say that that is more the Russian way of uh, stopping uh, opponents, not the, not the Ukrainian or the right. Western way of uh, of stopping your 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 opponents. Hey, but Dina, talking about poison, I was listening to the news, and Ukrainian families, Ukrainian farmers. Poisoned food, which they gave to the Russian soldiers. Oh, that's so every really... so everybody's really fighting uh-huh. in any way, in any way that they can, they can think how. Imagine poisoning the food, and these hungry Russian soldiers just eating all of the potatoes and not realizing that uh, it's another weapon that they're eating. Wars are never good. I've never liked wars. I, you know, I try not to read about wars because it really, really affects me. And here I am doing peace building, but no, it doesn't bode any good at all, huh, Amina. Yeah. I just hope that, and I'm looking now uh, on Google, right, with Biden, all the, you know, the Western world uh, leaders demanding for a stop. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. 
That's why we need our governments to support the women peace and security agenda. Yeah. Because the core belief of uh, peace builders, especially women, is that when you choose to end an, a conflict, yeah. you're already behind. So the yeah. best way to stop a conflict it to, is to prevent it from happening. So we're always talking about peace building being sustainable because whatever little conflicts are starting, you try to you know, end it, find, find a resolution, which is why it's really weird that you don't have so many women at the peace table. I mean, I, to, I look at uh, Vladimir Putin and I look at right. Vladimir Zelensky and their um, negotiating teams. Do you see yeah. any, any women in the two no. panels? No. They're all men. They're all macho. <laughs> and you know, Toxic masculinity, uh, Nurhuda would be yeah. the first to say, toxic masculinity. Yeah. So if you've got no women at the table and everybody just ha has this macho idea about right. what to get out of an agreement, no wonder those uh, discussions are taking so long. Yeah. But, you know, how do you, how do you say, hey, why don't you put some of your... Members of Parliament, these amazing Ukrainian women. Why don't you put them in uh, oh, yeah, in yeah, the peace yeah. panel? But looking at the internet, right? There are a lot of women in government in Ukraine, right? I guess everyone's yeah. running away from war and all that. Uh, here, okay, Amina, in November 2020, right? Mm. The UN Women in Ukraine launched "Women Are Key to Peace" mm -hmm. on the 20th anniversary of the UNSC Resolution 1325. But that was in Ukraine. Wow. Yeah. yeah and yeah. now what has happened? Okay. Yeah. But despite the role of women, they're often kept out of political and negotiation processes in Ukraine. Yes. <sighs> but, you know, talking about uh, Ukraine and women. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of women uh, yeah. in government, high positions of government in Ukraine. I yeah. don't recall a single Russian woman yeah. that yeah. have you know that have been interviewed or or visible right. in in any of the you know the media uh, propaganda that their state uh, media is um, showing. I mean, every time they show Putin with his yeah. long <laughs> table, there's him on one end. And right. there's a bunch of men on the other end. How oh. they hear each other, I'll never know. Not a right. single Russian right. woman at the senior levels of government. No wonder they're in bad situation. Yes, yes. Maybe they Ooh. should put Putin's daughter in government. <laughs> She's a doctor, you know. Really? Okay. Yeah. She's a doctor. I don't know if this is the same daughter who... Right who liked a joining dance contest or something like that. Right. So why not bring in your, your daughter? At least maybe she has better ideas, more practical ideas about a well, uh, sustainable all, she may, resolution. She may be as shocked, you know. I mean, it wouldn't be easy to have a father like, you know, who. So yeah. actually, <laughs> let me see. I'm going to Google this also. Put in the what is she saying? 
Oh, but but I understand that that daughter, the doctor, uh, is going to be divorcing. And that she and her husband will be divorcing or something like that. And yeah. I keep wondering whether it's got anything to do with her father and what's happening in in Russia. Because it seems like the daughter is not in Russia. She's in ah. one of the European uh, countries. All right. All right. So wow. Well, there's a lot of it on the internet. Yeah. And the chronologist. There you go. Endocrinologist. Yep. Oh, she's a rare, she's an expert, I guess. I don't know, maybe she is, you know. <sighs> so maybe her father wants to keep her safe. That's why the, uh, she's out of the country. Uh-huh. But still, you know, this, these kinds of examples really tell us that yeah. if they, they do bring in women to the negotiating table, it can only help. That's why, Dina, I'm really, really hoping that uh, ASEAN is going to succeed in establishing this regional plan of action for women, peace, and security because that's now going to allow us to lobby with with the different governments to Uh have more women at at the negotiating table. So... The fact that the ASEAN Commission on Women is taking the lead in putting right. together this uh, regional plan of action sounds really good. And the the chair is uh, Cambodia, right. and she's also a doctor. I think okay. she's also a doctor. The minister of uh, women for women in Cambodia yeah. is a doctor. So, you know, if they know how to cure the body, they may also have a good idea of how to cure the mental problems of this macho, this toxic macho, <laughs> macho men who are all putting us closer to to war, <laughs> to armed conflict. Actually, we should have, okay, we haven't got Don Patan yet, right? No, we should have Don. Yeah. Yes, and let's talk about this. You know, I, I was actually in, uh, intrigued, but actually I kind of, well, I don't know whether this is the right way to put it. You were at the CWP uh, webinar, right? Mm-hmm. When I, it was a Saadia who talked about women should be at the role, uh, at, the, at the table, should place their cards, and that Muslim women are not passive. And he said he didn't care whether you're a man or woman is what you bring to the table. That's also true. Like to, yeah, I would like to explore that because I know we're talking about She Talks Peace. And I believe that women have a lot to contribute. But it's also a matter of what you can bring to the table too, no? Shall we explore that? We should. Oh, by the yeah. way, Dina. Um, yeah. Well, dear, uh, dear listeners, Dina is talking about our recent summit uh, for the Southeast Asia Women Peace Builders. Tell me, yeah, Dina, why did the network decide to put the... Uh, the term misogyny in the theme of the conference. I will tell you this. This is how the network went, you know. So Iman is, okay, not just about our legal status, right? The thing is about two years, okay. We're entering our second year. So while like university said they will take over because we were saying, okay, someone needs to take over this coordination and all. So she came up and she put that misogyny there. Uh, 
I'll be honest, I have not asked Ampon that, but it's probably something she feels strongly about. Because I did go, ooh, uh, but we were so, so involved with this legal stuff mm. that we didn't up for the, you know. But it's interesting that you said that because the person, I think it's Sadia, it seems a credential. She's from Aceh. She's brilliant. Mm. I came halfway because I was traveling and I just got off the train. And I saw that where she was talking and Don was going on and on like, no, they were having this argument. I mean, I see where she's coming from, but she's seeing it from a certain lens. There's nothing wrong with that, Amina. We all do. You know, we all have our own biases. So and what was the conflict between uh, Sadia and Don? I think she was saying that there was a lot of uh, misassumptions about Muslim women who ah. don't know how to do peace building, I think. Because mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we have to. And, you know, just because we wear the hijab doesn't mean we're dumb, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. then comes up and says, look, I don't care whether you're a man or woman or what. What are you going to bring to the table? And how are we going to achieve this? Mm-hmm. So that kind of blew up as she was saying that he was a misogynist. I went, no, <laughs> not really. Like, the recording, you know? Yeah. No, not, not really. But, you know, Don is, Don is right. Um, you shouldn't care about the gender of a person. It's what that person brings to the table. But at huh. the same time, there is a certain uniqueness to women's perspectives that's sorely missing. Right. At, uh, at the, the decision makers' tables. I don't care if it's government, corporation, or uh, the, the peace process. Women, because of the different environment that we yeah. operate under, the different challenges that right. uh, we have to overcome, when you come to the table to help make a decision, there are so many issues that men never paid yeah. attention to which at the end of the day becomes important. Yeah. For instance, okay, agriculture, Dina. Yeah. I mean, when they think when you think agriculture, you think men. Yeah. When you think farmers, you think men. Right. But that's actually not true. Because yeah. the men may be doing the hard work of plowing yeah. the fields and, and all that, yeah. but the women plant. The women are the ones who tend to vegetable gardens and the vegetables are, you know, are uh, harvested by the women. The women bring this to the market and sell it. The women get water from wells that are far away so that they can not just use it for their homes, but they use it for for their vegetables. The women get the um, vegetables and pickle them or cook them. So, so many contributions of women. But when you don't have women deciding on what agricultural programs to make, then government, men in government who are in agriculture will say, ah, agriculture, farmers, what do they need? They need tractors. They need this kind of machinery. Not realizing that a big percentage of the production of the farms are actually contributed by women. And if you don't give the women the resources that they need, then your farms are not going to be as economically productive as you would like. So, you know, Sadia is also right. Women bring a very specific point of view 
which is missing if it's an all-male uh, decision-making table. So I guess both have their points, but at the end of the day, the more women who are helping make decisions, the better for, for the community. So yay, ASEAN, have the regional plan of action for women, uh, peace, and security. We'll have to push for that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've been keeping in touch. Uh, I've been keeping in touch with Salma. So hopefully there will be an uptick. I guess people are slow because it's the first week of fasting. But we'll start chasing by end of this week, yeah? Yes, absolutely right. Uh, well, so, so meanwhile... Yes. You're going to rest a little bit, no, go back going, to work? No, I'm going back to work. I'm at home, actually, because I have a part-time cleaner who comes and goes as and when she wants. <laughs> I don't know. That, but but that's nice of you. So she keep hi, I'm here. Okay, <laughs> so she's done. So I'm going to the office right now. Okay. <laughs> well, we haven't had uh, somebody clean house ever since the pandemic uh, started so you know so guess who does most of the cleaning yours truly although my son and my daughter you know they also do their best but uh, well who knows wonders will never cease children may decide oh let's do more work this ramadan and uh, let mom (laughs) have a little bit of a rest Right. So anyway, Dina, I right. hope that you have a good week ahead. Have a restful Ramadan, a productive soul searching, and right. uh, really great makan for your iftar. You too. All right. Now you take care, yeah? <laughs> and lastly, Amina, happy birthday. Oh, thanks, Dina. Way. I don't want to think about aging anymore. All right, all right. Maybe, maybe, maybe if we stop thinking about our birthdays, we stop aging. Does that work? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, dear listeners, thanks for joining us. This is Amina from Manila saying a pleasant uh, week ahead of us. Hope you stay cool, keep your masks on, and peace be with you. Okay, see you all. Bye. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.